Good morning, all you podcast listeners. This is Jim Noka. Welcome to Knife Journal Podcast number 40. I'm here with Kyle Verstig, who is in the rainy state of Iowa. Yeah, right now we're and no I'm longer sitting on in a my drought. Porch. I'm sitting on my porch. It's, it's, it's such a glorious morning here. It's not even funny. I'm doing this from outside of my porch right now, and it's the sun is coming up. It's just gorgeous out here. Huh. Perfect temperature. Yeah. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. Welcome all you anti-bushcraft podcast listeners. What? What's the story <laughs> I was now? Have to grind it. I I got I got to. I was at the grinding last week and now. Uh, there was a um, a couple of guys. One of them, they're they're from Duluth, Minnesota originally. One of them went to Michigan Tech. Uh, his name is Abe, and another uh, they sent us a letter, Skip uh-huh. and Abe, and they they were listening to um, father son combination. Great great guys. Yeah. And uh, I was I was I was hanging an axe up there, and yeah. of course I was not. And um, Skip is a is a traditional woodworker i mean i guess he's really works like with the you know the whole sharp chisel thing and razor you can't touch my tools kind of guy and uh so i'm so i was working on this um on this axe hanging this axe and he was giving me a batch of ration of crap about um using a belt grinder and (laughs) not not using a draw knife and a and a stone (laughs) oh yeah because, <laughs> yeah, I've I've got the you know the the stones and all that. I've got antique ones from you know antique stores, and I've got modern ones, and I've got files and all that. That's right. a pain in the butt. Right. <laughs> it just yeah. takes forever. Well, it's, it's funny too because it's like, well, yeah, it's like okay. I suppose if I didn't have if I didn't do all the things I was doing, it would make a big difference, and I would just sit there and do that. But but you know, I, I literally. When you have those kind of tools available to you to use, there's no reason not to use them. It's ridiculous. Yeah. The 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 fit that you can make with a with a belt grinder is, you know, it's I don't know. Anyway, so he was he was just teasing me, but it was it was pretty funny. I mean, we were laughing about it quite a bit because it's because I'm sure all of all the 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 bushcrafters are gonna we're gonna be chimp screaming about that. Oh yeah, you know, you know how it's like, they are. It's like somehow or another, somehow or another, my double, somehow or another, my double bitted axe isn't going to cut as well as one that was hit fit with a stone and draw knife and well, in you know, when you're fashion. when you're when you're like doing a task to your axe to make it more efficient, you know, it's supposed to be this big, huge, long, drawn out spiritual thing where you have like Zamfir music yeah. playing underneath and like you call <laughs> on like the axe's like spirit animal and uh you know there's the wind chimes and all this crap yeah you know and like <laughs> like this so yeah that looks good did you what you did you re-black this it I Michigan can't tell nope nope I, all we did was we basically polished the uh, um, we didn't strip it down. I didn't reprofile it or anything because it was actually profiled pretty well. I don't know if you can see that or not. 
Yeah, that's good. But it, yeah, but you it gotta, was, um, it's a, it's a Collins Michigan pattern. Okay. Yep, it's a Collins Michigan pattern. And a lot of Michigan patterns were actually um, uh, dual-sided felling axes. When, mm-hmm. when, um, when the lumber, I mean, when the lumbering came through here, they, li- they, these guys were just, um, I mean, all they were doing was cutting trees down. They were using mm-hmm. saws and they were using these axes. They didn't give a shit about the roots or anything else. They didn't care about the stumps. They, they were leaving all that stuff behind. It didn't matter. Right. So, um, but anyway, they, um, uh, so the, so usually the, the traditional Michigan pattern or, or, um, the lumbering, the lumbering double bits usually were sharpened on both sides. So that they hmm. didn't have to resharpen until the end of the day. Okay. <clears throat> but but regardless, it's um what I did was I I put a little I don't know if you can see that little knobby on the bottom. Yeah, yeah. You flared it a bit at the bottom it's, of the handle. Yep. I, I I I drew it down and then and then flared it out. And man, does that feel good in your hands? Yeah. Whoop. Yeah. That's cool. I'm gonna try the Instagram feed. Oh, yeah, you should put, put it, it on, on there. Instagram. Yeah, people like it. Actually, whenever we talk about something today, I'm going to try my best to put something up on it on uh, Instagram, if possible. So my first order of business... So did you... Uh, go ahead. Okay. Go, go ahead. Your first uh, order of business is that email or that uh, Cody article... No, actually, um, we can get into that, but what I wanted to do first was give away that, uh, that Emerson. So. Already? It's time. Already? Yes, because if I let it go to, I know, but if I let it go, listen, the early bird gets the worm, these suckers. They should have gotten in when we announced it. Um, so. Wait a minute, I didn't enter. Oh, wait a minute, I can't (laughs) enter, can I? No. Let me see. It looks like there's nine. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. You know, to be honest, I'm not even sure I. Nineteen. I, I shared that link on my Facebook. Well, that, again, I, don't rem- I remember falling down on a job, it. dude. There's uh, 19. I know what I did. There's 19, and I'm getting out my nerd dice. I need to dig out a 20-sided die here. Let's find one. Okay, here's one. So uh, if it hits a 20, I have to roll again. So here it goes. Everybody listening, I'm r- rolling this dice around. Here it goes. The number is 18, and the winner is, uh, let's see, drum roll please, CG Lefty 4. So CG Lefty 4 wins. I'm going to go ahead and close this out, and that's pretty awesome. All he needs to do is send me a little... That is actually private message on uh, nope. on our forum here and uh, we'll get it I'll get it mailed off to him 
So, um, I want to put a plug in for our sponsor. Yep. Uh, Derek at Knife Ship Free is a is a uh, one, is our podcast sponsor. Great guy, great company, great selection of knives. Has all his stuff in stock. Um, not one of these drop ship guys. So uh, check him out. Check him out on the web. The webulator. Right. The webulator. Um. Got a lumberjack uh, show this weekend up here. Wolverine Lumberjack Show. No, oh, do they like climb trees and whatnot? Yep, yep, yep. And they have like yep. the spikes. On yep, their they feet. have the they have the log rolling. Yeah, they have the log rolling thing. Sweet. Um, <laughs> I may I may end up. Uh, they might have some like amateur chainsaw operator <laughs> thing. <laughs> Am- that that doesn't sound good. <laughs> The, uh, well, you know, they have like a. Um, I've seen it. I've seen it done in the past where they like uh, they'll have one of the local hardware stores that has some saws. Will have the same saw and a, and a like a pop a log that's pretty good size, and you get timed on how fast you can make three cuts. One, you know, one down, one up, one down. Okay. And uh, so it'll be would be pretty interesting to to see about doing that maybe i could win maybe i could show somebody i could actually win something that'd be awesome yeah so um the grinding was was hugely successful awesome um i was i think 35 builders there this year bark river does a great job his crew mike's crew is like so if you people if you have not had a chance to go to this thing you really need to make the effort and and uh come up and spend the weekend up there. It is really um, a joy to see all his employees, you know, interacting with, with his customers. Um, they do a nice job. They really, really do a nice job. And then a lot of times, um, yep. you know, there'll be some knife trading going on. There's usually some... Uh, um, Good, good custom knife makers that show up to help out. Uh, okay, we're back. We, we're having technical difficulties this morning because of piss poor internet. <laughs> my, my, yeah, exactly. Where I live, we have a, we have like a DSL line, which is, I'm sorry, folks, that's the best we got. And there's probably f- 15 families on this leg. And I think what happens is some of the kids are home from school and, uh, oh, yeah, let's stream some movies and let's, you know, interfere with Jim's podcasting because <laughs> we don't give a shit. Because the world revolves <laughs> around Jim and or I. Whereas my, <laughs> that's right, as as my, um, uh, my, my oldest boy used to say when he was in high school, I don't give a shit, doobie. <laughs> anyway. Um, so what we were what we were talking about before we were so rudely interrupted was uh, what? Oh, I forget now. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, okay, so so I took a um, I took a knife up, uh, and and folks probably a lot of you know that I'm not a big fan of right. coated blades, powder coated blades. I think it I think they um, and before everybody hears about the chimp screaming about, uh, you know, 
having black knives and you know all that crap. I'll say it; it's all Uh-oh. crap. <laughs> okay, you realize that we're going to get like um, lots of hate mail because of that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I don't think so because I think our listeners tend to know the difference between uh, bullshit and uh, and uh, okay, so. Shit. Anyways, I'm not. I'm, I'm basically so. I'm. I'm just not a powder coating fan. I think it. I think it puts drag on the blade. I think it. You know, there's a lot of. It makes the blade thicker than it needs to be. Even even the thickness of powder coating. And <clears throat> so I usually, if I get a knife that's powder coated, one of the first things I do is I strip off the powder coating and then polish the blade. Mm-hmm. And and I try not to change the profile. I try not to change anything up about it. Right. So I get this knife and put it in the sandblaster, and I sandblast the powder coating off it, and I pull it out, and I run it over the buffer one time just to clean up the the sandblasting stuff on, yeah. like, uh, you know, um, um, 600 grit. All, mm-hmm. And all I was doing was just to look at at the um, 600 grit. That's not what it is. Six, what the hell is the... What, what's the... Um, Probably the, if it's the, the orange the green, wheel, it's two forty. The green, the green buffing compound. What is that grit? Is that? I don't know. I don't. I don't use that one. <laughs> I use a. I use a two forty, a three twenty, six hundred. That's for your belts. For for your buffer. No, no, no. For buffer. Buffer. It's two two forty is the red three twenty, six hundred. Then I d- use the black stick, and I'm not sure how much that is, but that'll put your mirror finish on. And then the white stick for handles. That's all I use. So I don't know. I don't know what the green one is. But anyways, it wasn't. It, it's not a. It's not a real heavy grid. It's just basically all I was doing was cleaning up the. Uh, cleaning up the. Um, the sandblast, kind of smoothing mm-hmm. it out a little bit, just to, just so I could take a look at it, what was going on there. Mm-hmm. And I was so amazed at the number of sh- the the shitty finish that was under the powder coating. Hmm. It was a, it was like a, like, like it wasn't even surface ground. I mean, it was horrible. The finish was absolutely hmm. horrible. It looked, it was all pitted and shit. I was like, are, it, it's are a, you sure that's not from, from, um, the sandblasting you did? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, cause, cause I know the, the knife that you did. I don't want to say. Right. I know what knife you did, but, um, when I took my coating off, uh, it was, it was fine underneath, but huh. I used paint stripper. Use paint stripper on powder coating. Uh, the yeah, whatever the coating is on those. I don't know if it's a powder coat. I don't know what it is, but I it'll come right off with paint stripper. Hmm. Yeah, that's how I've always done it, and that's that's how most people do it. Um, but so I don't I don't know. Maybe maybe when you sandblasted it, that's where you got all the. Yeah, I don't know. I've done other knives like that before. Okay, well, I don't, I don't know, um, I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> well, I was, I, I was actually, I mean, I, I talked to a couple different people while I was up there, and they were, they were like, "Wow, that's, that's pretty amazing." Yeah, I mean, you, <laughs> and so, it, so it kind of took the wind out of my sails for for finishing the knife the way it was. I was like, you know, I was annoyed, so I ended up changing it. Yeah, and I, and I still couldn't get it to polish out real nice. It was still, I don't know what the hell the, I don't know. 
So it didn't end up as a mirror polish, you know. It ended up kind of cool, but it didn't end up as a... I mean, this is what it looked like. I put it in a left-handed sheath. I'll put you it... shortened that blade, too. Nope. Nope, I did not. What I did was huh. I extended the the, gar the handle a little bit, and then I put a big choil in it. Yeah, I and see it, that. And it, okay. makes it, it makes the blade look... Makes the okay. blade look a little different. But, yeah. But I would. But um, I'll Instagram that too. Yeah. the The thing is, um, from from my perspective, if I could just stop uh, once I put an edge on, and then powder coat, <laughs> my life would be a lot easier. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, because that takes out like an hour of finishing per blade. Yeah. To me, if to me, I'm just, thinking just that that's zip just an edge on it. I, I'm just thinking that's a lazy way. Do a do a flat grind, you know, on a platen or with a machine, and yep. then just put a put an edge on. It'd take me literally 30 seconds to put an edge on. If my blades were done at that point, uh, and then all I had to do was like, you know, put some paint on it, like, man. I'd, I'd be cooking with gas. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's it's like I said, it's just a, I'm sure it's a bean counters move, you know. And it yeah. might have been it might have been that um, uh, that yours might might have been older than mine. It might have been the first batch where they said, well, geez, we don't even have to finish this. The powder coating is thick enough that that uh, we don't even yeah. have to finish them underneath. Yeah, they may it, it may be you know. You, you never know. Um, they may be doing it different, but mine, when I took the uh, stuff off, it, it looks fine under there. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because uh, I'm special. Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, so I don't know if, if you shared that with the public, that, that Cody interview. Oh, um, yeah. Okay, so it's uh, actually he shared it too. So if you're a fan of uh, Cody London's, uh, and I know you know a, a substantial number of our podcast listeners can, uh, you can you can check out an article that uh, MasterWoodsman.com uh, posted. They did an interview with uh, Cody London. Did you get a chance to read it? Yep, yep, I did. Okay, I so that did. it was actually pretty good. Yeah, it was a good good article, and the the reason I know um, the guys at MasterWoodsman.com is because I've written for them before. Mm -hmm. um, they, I'm um, part of their writing staff. <laughs> I was I was kind of in, I was actually kind of intrigued at what he was saying. I thought that uh, um, that he pretty much summed up the the whole knife and movie industry. I mean, I remember back in the back in the days where they had uh, uh, you know basically when farming was really in a bad way and there was a lot of family families losing their farms and stuff and mm -hmm. they they went to two actresses that were playing farm wives on uh, in a movie to testify mm -hmm. in front of congress as if they knew anything about fucking farming <laughs> I, I i was like i remember i mean that was like back in like the mid 80s and and here they had yeah. like um uh, there was like two. There was two movies. One of them was, I think, called The River. And I think, okay. uh, Kurt, uh, not Kurt Gibson, but um, Mel Gibson was uh, um, was the was the lead in that. And then I think his wife was Mary was Meryl Streep. I think. Okay. Um, 
And then the other one was, um, oh, I can't think of the other one. And anyway, but they had both these women up there testifying about farming. I was like, yeah, you hmm. know, neither one. They've never even grown a freaking a pumpkin, <laughs> anything, <laughs> anything. And it just cracks me up. And and you know, when you when you start having movie stars become experts at whatever they made a movie about is ridiculous. Yeah. And and I think that that's what uh, um, I mean. Cody kind of was talking a little bit about that and about how much producers and and um, uh, those guys don't really know anything about like the survival uh, entertainment. What he called it? Uh, yeah, survival entertainment. Yeah. You know, it gets people thinking about about survival stuff, but it doesn't um, it doesn't always teach you uh, the best ways to do things. Yeah. And uh, so that was I I was intrigued by that. I, I was well. My my thing with it was um, so. I, I read all of that, and, you know, I got that angle from it, uh, but he, um, and he, he goes out to say that, you know, that reality TV isn't real, and so, you know, for people that haven't heard that, um, I'm really sorry to burst your bubble. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, well, you know what's funny? They were, t- they, Dave Canterbury told me that at a Blade show, like, yeah, a long time ago, he he basically said, you know, the whole thing's staged. Everything about it is staged. Yeah, they write a storyline and then you fill the storyline in. I mean, it's scripted, and I have a little bit of inside knowledge of that um, for a couple different reasons. One is uh, my cousin. His name is Dirk Ruge, R U G E. You can Google that shit. Google that shit. He. Uh, is a camera guy for a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. So he's one of the camera guys for Mountain Men, and uh, he's and uh, what's the one where? Oh, I can't remember. He's he's been on so many series, I don't even remember all of them. But he 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 says basically you've got some you'll have some guy, and this is an actual thing. If if it rings a bell, it's because this actually happened. They had some guy who's like semi autistic, and. Uh, there was a pond with like, you know, thin, super thin ice on it, and uh, they, some producers wanted him to walk across that and fall in, and so so it'd make good TV. And he said, "But I would never do that. Like that would be stupid." <laughs> and the producers got really pissed because he wouldn't walk out on the ice and fall in for the camera. Right. You know, it, and just stupid stuff like that. You've got some guys that have no experience in the outdoors sitting in L.A., completely separated, um, and they're on Skype or whatever looking at looking at what it is, and they're trying to create drama for the show and this and that. And so it's all scripted. <laughs> Everything you see on there is planned out well in advance um, with input from producers who are trying to make things, mm-hmm. uh, y- you know, drama. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I mean, that's, of course it's that way. You've got millions and millions of dollars on the line. Mm-hmm. You know, they they don't care if, you know, they're not doing, like, you know, something justice. Man, I got the sneezes this morning for some reason. They, they, don't, they don't care if it's really real. They care if it makes money. Right. You know, and I can totally sympathize with that. I, I don't want to put something out that's not going to make money either. And so, um, 
you know, there's that angle of it. And then, uh, you know, I've, I've been approached a couple different times for a couple different things, and I just say no because um, you don't have any control over it. They're, gonna, they're going to portray you in whatever way they want, and they're just going to selectively edit uh, everything so that you look the way you they want you to look. Right. You know, and 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 the contracts that you have to sign for these things are, you know, 40 and 50 pages and it spells in there spells out in the contracts. Sometime I should show you one of them. Oh, um, it spells I've had I've had a couple. Yeah, so you know, <laughs> you, you, it's um it spells out in the contract that they can portray you however they want and it doesn't have to have any bearing on the reality. And most of them contain like a gag thing, so mm-hmm. I'm I'm actually surprised that that Cody um, is even talking about it because I'm sure there's some sort of a gag order where he can't can't say anything, you mm-hmm. know. But so um, you well, know, it, it it might not be over either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, he's, I, he he could be in some potentially some pretty big hot water yep, over. Yep over that stuff. The yep. other thing is um if you if you look at look at the tone of what he's saying and you know I'm I'm one of his I'm on his Facebook page and if you look at the tone of a lot of the stuff that he's been putting out there lately he's pretty pissed off. Right. Right. <laughs> you know and I would be too because they they basically tried to do a smear job on him on national television in front of like millions and millions of people. Right. And that's just like complete bullshit. You no. know, they they completely yeah. falsified something and they did a smear job on him. And um now you know, now the, the the media would never do that, would they? No, never. <laughs> I mean, they do it yeah, with candidates it, all the time. They I mean, it's it's that's what they do. They yeah. make they make shit up. Yeah, but you've got a guy like that's he's not like a politician. No. You know, he's not he's not running for office. He's not trying to like run your life or tell you what to do and all this. And they took basically somebody who's like you know, he's like a normal dude before all of this. As mm-hmm. you know, as normal as any of us are. Well, only I wear shoes, but right. you know, hey, it's you know, I I don't want that worm that goes up through your foot and whatnot. But mm-hmm. anyway, he um he was basically a normal guy, and you've got a you know multi-billion-dollar multinational company smearing you. So I can totally see why he'd be pretty pissed off about that. Right. Um, he 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 mentioned um, the thing that kind of caught my attention was he was talking about how anybody can call themselves a survival instructor, and it doesn't doesn't mean that they have even the knowledge base to call themselves that or they you know or the teaching ability right you know well and, and, and this has been it, my experience listen what, what's interesting about that whole thing is the fact that just because you can do something doesn't mean you can teach something yeah. um one of the uh i mean i've been to instructor development schools and and there i mean we were I mean, I taught a class one time on making making espresso. I mean, that was we had to teach <laughs> we we had to teach the class about something that that we knew a little bit about, and so we had to actually teach the class. Um, you know, some guys taught the class on how to put a 
rifle together. Some people taught how to, um, you know, everything was a little bit, everybody had to do anything diff- something different and had to be approved. And, of course, I was slow getting, you know, I was, I wanted to do a 1911. I wanted to do a, um, I wanted to do a rifle. I wanted to do, you know, and then it was all taken. I was like, well, fuck this. I, you know, I'll just, I'll just do, I'll make espresso. Yeah. <laughs> and so I did a class on making espresso. And yeah, it, and it was funny. I mean, it, the instructor loved it. He said it was different, out of the box, and and um, but but the whole point is, is that just because you're you know how to do something doesn't mean you can teach it. Yeah, you know, and and survival is such a broad topic. Yeah, I mean, and and it gets it gets. Um, I mean, a lot of times they say that that. Uh, The whole survival thing. People survive a lot that have no instruction whatsoever. They just yeah. they just survive on the will to live. Yep. And and uh, and so it, it's you know and other people don't they they don't survive something that's real a real easy uh, mm-hmm. situation that they should have survived even you know they just totally gave up at the at, you know so but so I so I kind of get what I get what he was talking about with that. I mean, it's a difficult subject to even think about calling yourself an instructor, or or an expert, in. or or an expert, because there's so you know, every 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 situation is a little bit different, right? And you know. I think you know, from my perspective, what you do is you get a basic set of skills. Mm-hmm. You you know how to, you know, you you have some sense about shelter, okay. Um, you, you understand things like, you know, I mean, everything that can go into choosing a site for shelter, you know, the the five W's, um, a way out, no widow makers, uh, water, uh, wood, so materials. Even that's more complicated than it needs to be. I I even, I I mean, I really like the fact that when he did his book, about mm-hmm. 98 degrees that it was as simple as fucking this you gotta yeah. keep your body temperature at 98 degrees how you do it yeah. is irrelevant right <laughs> but the, but the but the point is is like there are how you do it is irrelevant until you make a bonehead move like um there's a you decide to camp in a in a valley or a in, in some sort of a draw on a mountain uh next to a stream that can instantly come rise in level and flood you out of there and the other thing is is that those valleys not only does water and other shit fall down it but cold air comes down it Mm -hmm. you know so there's there's a lot of things that you have to think about when you're choosing a site to shelter down and it's you know it's little tiny subtle things like that that you know from experience and things that you you think about Maybe even on a subconscious level, like how do you teach that? Yeah. You know, th- th- those are things that you notice because you're traveling along a trail, and you cross a draw, and it's ten degrees cooler in the draw than it is when you get out of that draw. You know, cold yeah, air I, descending down. I mean, there's. See, it, it's a, simple, I, but it's not. I, I mean, I'm, you know? I'm a I'm a believer in uh, in in. I think the will to live probably is even more important than that. Because yeah, if you it, look it, at the guys that the soccer team that crashed in the Andes, I mean those guys were not at all prepared to do what no, they did. No, no, no. You know, but I mean they, that was pure will done. to live. 
They, it didn't matter where they were sheltering down. It didn't. They, they didn't have any knowledge to think like that. I know. You know. But, but, but. I mean, but it just makes that a, stuff a whole just makes shitload it of them died. <laughs> yeah, but well, a lot of them died in the plane crash. But well, and then a, a lot more of them died after. I think there was know. only what was there? Twelve survivors. They were eating the shit out of people. Yeah, but there was there was a lot of dead people on the plane. But I but I think that there was I think that there was twelve. I could be wrong, but I th- some I, I reason I thought the there was twelve people that survived. And the two people that walked out, or the three people that walked out, were uh, were the, basically the reason why they they were able to live. Okay, so the the only thing I, I I agree that the will to live is obviously the most important thing, but I think there are things that there there are bits of knowledge that you can use that will increase your chances. Okay, oh, sure. You you and I have the will to live. You choose because you don't know any better to camp in a draw. And you freeze your ass off at night, and I camp a little ways up. You know, it's little teeny decisions like that in life or death situations make a big difference. And that's why I'm saying, you know, the knowledge, having a little bit of knowledge will tip the odds in your favor. It's not necessarily going to make or break you, but it'll tip tip the odds a bit, especially when you start talking about more extreme environments, like... You know, and little decisions that you make there, like you don't you don't camp in a in a flash flood zone, stuff like that. But if you've never looked and seen, you know, but you know what though, you're talking about John Q. Public that doesn't venture off the path. Yeah, but I mean mean, that's what that's who's that's who these shows are are geared toward is John Q. Public that never never leaves the path. When and and uh, like for example. This last weekend, Kathy and I went up to Marquette, and I took some pictures of a waterfall. Mm-hmm. And there's a wooden path that goes up to the waterfall. It's beautiful. You stand there. It's got a little guardrail on the outside of it. Well, there's two more falls further up the hill, but they're not they're not on the path. Yeah, you have to you have to hop the fence and then kind of scramble up, you know, through the 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 woods and an un you know um, mm-hmm. unpaved un <laughs> basically uncharted area. Mm-hmm. And and, uh, and to get to the other falls, mm-hmm. and I was surprised at how many people stopped at the edge of that. And I'm happy with looking at this waterfall, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take a chance and walk up the hill a little further to see the other ones. Yeah, and and that's what that's what we're talking about. I mean, it's not most people are not they they won't jump the fence. Yeah. They won't go where somebody hasn't already marked the trail and and put little trail markers on it so that they can walk. You know. Here, there, and everywhere. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's it's the rare bird that walks into an area where that's not been mapped, and that's why I, yeah. I admire a lot of the a lot of the people of uh, you know the 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 age of discovery when when you had you know you still had the argument that the world is flat or the world is round, and <laughs> you know you get on a freaking boat and you say, look at this, I made this compass with a pin and a cork, and I'm just going to follow it this way. Yeah, you know. Um, <clears throat> well, it, you know, but I, you're, you're never going to, you're never going to convince me that having a little bit of survival knowledge is a bad thing. Oh, it's not. I, yeah. I never said you, that. You, I never you, said you, that. I, I'm never going to agree to that. Um, no, so we're I, just, no, yeah, no, I and, never, and you're not, you're not saying that, but, but, <laughs> but um, I, what, I, what I am saying is that, is that, um, if you're putting out bad knowledge or you're putting out. If you're if you're standing there and saying, well, every time you encounter this situation, you need to have you need to do this, right? You're not teaching somebody to think for themselves, and right. that's and that's always been the that's always been the, the 
the big um, uh, the big deal with me is is every situation is a little bit different and and people a lot of people do not have a ton of experience to say okay I've encountered something similar to this before I I did this before and this worked mm -hmm. and I tried this and this and this and this didn't work before but I tried this and this did work so I'm going to try this again and start from there um, you know I. I don't even know if I should. I went and I went and saw a movie um, a couple days ago, and it was it was called uh, the, the Edge of Tomorrow. I think it was the new Tom Cruise movie. And thanks, babe. And um, the the movie was interesting. It was kind of like a Groundhog Day, where they took where they took this guy, and something happened to him, and he his day kept reset, resetting every time he got killed. He was a he was a he was an advertising guy that that basically got sucked into the service. He was doing PR work for the army, and um, somehow or another, he ended up in combat. And he's not a combat guy. He's an older fella, not a combat guy, not a just an advertising guy. And he says it right in the beginning: "I am not a combat soldier." But it didn't matter. And so, but every time he gets killed, he starts his day over again. <laughs> and so by the end of the movie, I mean, he's he's relived the same situation over umpteen times. Each time he learns a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it's it's sort of like Groundhog Day, where the way Bill Murray learns a little bit every day. And as he progresses through the day, he actually changes himself. And this movie is the same way. By the end of the movie, he's this great warrior that, you know... And it's all done. He's reliving the same 24 hours over and over and over again. You don't even know how many times he's lived it over. Mm -hmm. But he, you know, he learns how to use his weapons properly. <laughs> and it's and it's the same kind of thing. If you're, um, uh, if you don't have that a, a, a vast set of experiences, you're not going to learn something in a class. Yeah. You know, it's you. You know, you might pick a little bit of something up, but you're not. If you're not a if if you're not out side and doing things all you know all the time you know you take the guy that's that never leaves the path never leaves the road never leaves the pavement and you take him to a class in the middle of the wilderness and you teach him some stuff how much of that stuff is he going to actually retain and be able to regurgitate and reuse not much not much it's it's, it's time in the woods mm -hmm. but i think i think you can i think you can teach people a, a basic set of skills no. okay Fire, um, make smart choices about shelter, how to find water, uh, you know, basic navigation, um, and w which direction to walk. You know, if you're stuck somewhere, where should you go? What should you do? How do you make those decisions? Things like that. But, um, uh, you know, once you've got a basic uh, set of skills, then, you know, you flesh it out with experience in different environments. But his point be was one of the things he talked about is is there's governing bodies that, that certify you in lots and lots of different things. There's a mm -hmm. governing body for surgery, um, for anything in medicine. You're going to go through some rigorous testing and standards, and you're going to have a curriculum. Uh, hold on a minute. Knivesshipfree.com is the best place to buy knives, period. Here are a couple reasons. We have the best brands, we have the most popular knives, and they're all in stock. 
If you send us an email, we'll answer it. If you call us on the phone, we answer the phone. If you order it, we ship it. Knivesshipfree.com, the best place to buy knives. Now you know why. Again. Yeah, something's going on with our internet today. <laughs> yeah, it's just not in the stars. Maybe it's the solar sunspots or some shit. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, what what he was saying is, um, you know, every, every any time you're dealing with life and death or even, like, serious property issues, um, you know, like uh, real estate, there's a, there's a curriculum that you have to demonstrate proficiency with. You have to maintain proficiency in it, demonstrate that you're doing it, and there's a body that oversees it. Um, he, his, one of his points is there's no body like that for the survival. So any Billy Joe Jim Bob can call himself yeah. a survival instructor. Well, we, you know what, and we actually, I actually uh, uh, registered, I think it's the ISSI, I think was was what it was, and it was the International Survival... Something, something instructors. Okay. And and it was it was basically I was thinking about doing a certifying body for doing that. Um, mm-hmm. The problem that I ran into was, for one thing, most instructors don't want to be involved with that. Yeah, because it's extra because, money. Because, no, it's a fucking ego. Yeah, and then they're it's, like, it's well, all who ego. Are you yeah, who the me exactly? Who who who? Yeah. And then of course that you you got that you got okay. So how do you how do you start out with um, with a body with people that meet a certain criteria? And you just, you know, it's I, like it was, it cats. was a, yeah, it was a, it was a not an easy path. And I was like, you know what? It's not my monkey, not my circus. Right. You know why? I don't want. I don't why bother? To, yeah. Why yeah. bother? You know, you you've got a you've got a group of people, and eighty percent of them are fucking idiots. Eighty percent of them don't know their ass from the hole in the ground, and but they can they can pawn themselves off as survival instructors because they because they are dealing with a group of people that don't know the difference. Yeah, I mean, I mean, how many times you? I mean, I I heard about survival, uh, um, a survival weekend on that uh, island where that we're gonna (laughs) do the Great Lakes bug out deal. Yeah. And By the way, people, that's uh, August first. That that weekend, there, we're going to make a long weekend out of it. Yep. But, and yeah. um, but but they were there for five days, and one of the one of the students lost seventeen pounds. <laughs> you know, yeah. and had a bad I, I, case of dysentery in the end because somebody ate a freaking snail up here. Well, and I'm 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 very very much against the starvation survival courses. That's yeah, well, stupid. It's it's, 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 it's moronic. Yeah, and, um, and and it was. I mean, they couldn't even get a fire started. <laughs> you know, and he paid for that. I was like, yeah. fuck, I can I can do that. Yeah, you know, I that's, can and, that's, and that's and that's the whole point. It's death. like you have a bunch of people that that really, um, 
they might already know some of the basics involved, and they think that they're going to walk. I mean, this is the this is the, the problem I always see. You go to one of these classes, and you already have a pretty good handle on on some survival skills, and you want to actually get better than that. And you know what? There isn't getting any better than that, because <laughs> if you get any better than that, it's it's like bushcraft. <laughs> it becomes like it becomes like well I'm going to make a spoon I'm going to make a freaking cup and you're like well wait a minute I I can use my fingers to eat I don't need a cup I don't need a spoon yeah. you know I mean after everything after when you start talking about basic survival skills you know you're talking you know three to two weeks three days to two weeks that you're going to yeah, be seventy seventy two hours yeah. typically yeah and so yeah. you know what you pretty much can. You pretty much can handle almost anything in 72 hours with a little bit of common sense. Right. You know, well, I mean, that's, that's the reality the of it. So, so <laughs> Therein lies the problem, Jim Bob. Well, well so, I, so, I, so I'm going to I'm gonna go to an instructor class or a, a survival class so I can learn more of what, what, what's more than that. You're going to fucking sit in one spot, you're going to build a fire, and, and you're going to wait it out. Yeah. You know? Uh, well, no, you, we're going to go and we're going to make a spoon and we're going to make a freaking stool and we're going to make a, you know, this and we're going to make yeah. that. And it's like, well, wait a minute, what part of that is, uh, do I, am I going to need this in 72 hours? No. No. But, well, you, know, you, you might, you it. might need to know how, you might need know, to know how to make yourself some snowshoes to evacuate yourself. Well. Absolutely, positively. You go out, you get yeah. stuck in a storm, three, three feet of snow falls. What yeah. are you going to do? Um, so you know, there's some there's some benefit. I think the main the main thing about survival courses is have have your basic set of knowledge, but go to a course to um, get experience in a new environment. Yeah, is is what I would say. And then and then in in whatever environment, pick somebody that's that's good and reputable. So I think I think most guys have learned from other instructors. It's it's not like they like like um, uh, Cody says in that article. He says I'm a primitive living guy. He says I've yeah. been teaching survival for a long period of time, but I'm a primitive living guy. And if you look at the stuff that he was actually teaching, it's basic stuff. It's yeah. not it's not the the whittling of this. It's basic, you know, how to get water, how to get shelter, how to get fire. Yeah, and yeah. that's and that's the big three. I mean, that's what that's that's what you need. Mm-hmm. And and um. And people poo-pooed him quite a bit because he walks around barefooted. And but he's been instru- He's been teaching stuff for a long, long time. You know, it's yeah, like Marty. That, Marty, that, same way. I mean, yeah. you know, you, Marty is a is a is probably one of the better primitive living experts. Yeah. Um, no doubt. And, and teaches and teaches survival. Marty Simon. Yeah. And um, but he teaches basic basic survival skills. And yeah. And I think that that's what um. I remember having a conversation with this guy, uh, and and he was he was a primitive living guy, and he he's been a survival instructor for a long time. He's uh, retired out of the out of the navy. He was a um, um, he was a frogman, mm-hmm. and uh, he had a survival school, mm-hmm. but he hated it. He hated teaching sur- basic survival skills because he he was. He was a primitive living guy. He lived in, like, and and he was always he always wanted to teach people stuff that they didn't they weren't ever going to use again. Yeah, you know. I mean, he but he loved it. I mean, he. Lo- I mean, if you don't, 
you know, if you're not, if you're not living like an aborigine, um, some of that stuff you're never going to use. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a novelty. You you yeah, I can make a fun. I can make an uh, a bow. That's a novelty. Yeah. You know, if you're if you're going to be like an apocalyptic um, America or a pop, you know, post-apocalyptic world, mm-hmm. um, you could use that stuff. But I don't know. I I, I mean, it's <laughs> like some of the stuff you're you're just. Hey, come here. Come here, my dogs. Well, at any rate, he didn't get into any of that in the article. No. And my, I commented on it, and what I said was, you know, if you want a governing body, then you're going to have to start one. You know, you can bitch and moan all you want about other people being able to call themselves survival instructors, and they're YouTube famous, and they don't really have any field experience, and they teach a bunch of people in their backyard. You can bitch and moan about that, uh, and you can be, you can sit there and be bitter that, you know, you you're the real deal. You live it. You've done it for 30 years. Uh, you can bitch and moan about it. Nothing's going to happen. You're just going to look like a embittered woman. But you know what? Um, it's it's the same as with the knife makers, and the internet. You look at the old school knife makers that kind of, you know, back before the internet, they really paid their dues. They they yeah. had to, uh, you know, go to shows. They loaded up their cars. They drew. They drove. You know, across the country. Yeah. And um. And then all of a sudden, this thing called the internet comes by, and knife forms comes by, and all of a sudden you got, you know, all these young knife makers that are extremely talented, and they're not quote unquote paying their dues. Yeah, they're they're not m- fucking miserable. They didn't get the <laughs> toilet swirly because they when they were a freshman. <laughs> that's and like and, me. <laughs> and, and the old guys are pissed off. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know? un- unfortunately I fall into that category. Because <laughs> yeah. I I'm uh, you know I I just finished my run of bowies well you still 15 get a of them swirly oh, i get them i, I get beat <laughs> up believe me I, when i go up and talk to jim and mike they they beat me to, to fucking death there's nothing that i do that's good or whatever and that's that's you know listen they're right i haven't paid my dues and you know they're they're helping me with that yeah that's the same as the instructors that's the same as yeah. the survival instructors you know they're they're pissed off that they've been doing it for a long time they did it the old fashioned way they did it with in magazines and writing articles and 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 uh you know advertising and paying big budget and they never and then so all of a sudden you got a guy that puts up a website and look guys remember it's basic survival skills. It's I can I'm a fucking instructor. I teach people all the time. You know, yeah. it's it's not like um, nitrox diving or mixed gas diving. Yeah. You know, it's it's um, which is I guess a form of survival too, um, because you can breathe in an environment that you're not supposed to be in. But the point is, it we never had to. Um, I mean, seriously, I, I've been teaching people how to do stuff for a long time. Hey, mm-hmm. can you show me how to do that? Hey, can you show me how to do that? I mean, it's just, I, I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, it is, it has to do with the fact that they're just, they're just pissed because they had to do it the hard way. Well, and, 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 you, and so and you get that from the old, old time instructors, guys that have been around for a long time. They taught for well, the army. They taught for, you know, yeah. And they're, you know, listen, if you're not happy doing it, 
then don't do it, you know? Right. Like, and, and the point is, is like, if you want a governing body that says like, okay, this guy's the real deal, this guy isn't, you're going to have to start it. Yeah. You know, nobody's going to start it for you, you know, and then you're going to have to get people that, that will sign on to that and, uh, you know, kind of, and, and, and that was kind of my point to him was, look, you, you know, you're in a position to start it. Just have it be, okay, this guy is, is, meets the standards that Cody London sets out. You know, and maybe maybe get a couple other guys and do that. But you know what? The problem with with all those guys is they secretly hate each other. uh, Yeah, because they're (laughs) understood. Yeah, they they yeah. But um, you know, you get get them set aside. You get them set aside from each other, and they freaking they bash each other all the time. Yeah, I don't understand. He doesn't know his ass from the hole in the ground. Well, and that's and that's the thing is like I, I run into that in my profession, and anytime I hear one plastic surgeon bashing another, they're I know they're insecure. Yeah, you know it. You're if you if you have to denigrate your competition, you're insecure. Yeah, and why are you insecure? You're you know most of the guys that are doing that are fine surgeons. There's nothing wrong with them. Yeah. it's like. But but they're for whatever reason on some very basic level very insecure and they feel they have to tear down their. I mean, it, it was kind of funny because I've actually had. I mean, I personally, I think I think uh, I think Cody does a nice job. I don't think that he's. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, he puts his shoes. Oh wait, no, he doesn't put shoes on. <laughs> <laughs> but but he, but you know what? I've I've heard people say that they've seen him in like. I don't even know what town it was in where he had shoes on because yeah. they wouldn't let him in the bar. Yeah, well, that he that's, was at. Yeah, you know, but eh, you know what? Teach his own. I, it's yeah. Like I said, there's a lot of there's a lot of guys out there calling themselves instructors that are that probably shouldn't. They're just taking he, money. Yeah, um, well, I can I can name a few, but I won't. But you know, I mean, the other the other <laughs> side of it too is is it's probably most of those guys know um, know how to do stuff, mm-hmm. and um, I mean, I, I teach I teach people all the time, take people out camping and stuff, and teach people stuff, and and yeah. and people ask to ask me to do that all the time, and yeah. I can't bring myself to to to. Uh, to say, you know, I'm a nice guy, but I should just charge your ass for this. Yeah. Because you're, you're just, you know, you don't know how to do anything. Yeah. So, like like a guide service. I don't know. There you go. And, and then it's gym, the same thing. Gyms. It's like fishing guides. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing with fishing guides. It's the same thing yeah. with hunting guides. You know, I mean, I, I I think you have to be registered and pay a tax if you're a hunting guide out west. You have a, you have, to have a yeah. license. Yeah. You don't have to do that with um, with uh, survival, though, and that's you know I I I almost think maybe I've been. But then you know what you got the freaking government who, involved in it, and I don't I don't think that well, that's appropriate either. It, well, and that's the thing is the other problem is is that the guys that are survival instructors tend to be like fiercely independent, you know. So I I don't think it's ever going to happen, but. Um, you know, for mountaineering, I, I mountaineering think it was ISAI. Uh, I think it was internet. It was IASI, International mm-hmm. Association of of Survival Instructors. I think is what it was, mm-hmm. and and um, 
I think that's I, if, I'm pretty sure I still have the URLs and stuff for that. And cool. and um, you know, we were talking about doing it, and I thought it was a you know thought it was a really good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and have it be a, an association of, and then and then elect a board, set up accredited. Um, set of um uh abilities that you can you can check off on and get mm-hmm. certified that way and say look yeah. you can do this you can do this okay i've seen you do this i know you can do this i know you can do this and then hack off on it i mean i don't know as you really need to like survive something well field experience would definitely would definitely be a plus <laughs> you know, and then so one of the on that article when you guys find it, um, there's a link through to Cody's site and how to choose a survival instructor, and uh, one of the, one of the points on there is pretty funny. He says make sure that they're they're full time, and basically what he's describing is this monastic existence where you just go out and live in the woods and all this for your whole life and. You know that's your only job, and you scrounge and all this. Like nobody's going to do that. But one funny thing he said in there is that uh, make sure that they haven't been running a extermination business for thirty years, and that's their real job, and they just take Cub Scouts out on the weekend. <laughs> but uh, I, I know some. Uh, unfortunately, I've had some experience with some guys that that weren't necessarily. Um, exterminators but they were also like not um what they purported to be <laughs> i won't ever elaborate on that but pretty funny <laughs> might as well have been exterminator exterminators <laughs> for for and you know the again what i do is i'm not i'm not relying on these guys to teach me how to build a fire or do this or do that like i come into it with that i'm more interested in the environment um, but it is funny to see people that that purport to be experts in like survival, like struggling, and experts in navigation, and they can't like they can't orient a map, <laughs> shit like that. You know, like I don't know. They don't even know what a compass is for. Yeah, you know. But anyway. Oh well. So so that's that topic. Um, no, I just wanted to, to death. I just wanted to very quickly. I got a, a list of things here. So you know uh, Phoenix Abrasives. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where you, where I get my belts from, and where Lon does, and uh, I think um, Bark River gets some buffing wheels from there or something. The plane, the plane. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, here we go. Let me finish. Okay, go ahead. Um, so there, the, the salesman that works with the knife guys is Sean the Sandpaper Guy Ryan. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he did me a solid on Facebook. He yeah, what did he had do? Some, he had some, like, sixth sense that uh, I was running out of belts. And I was going to call him, but I just got busy. And he sent me a message on Facebook. Hey, what do you need? 
And so I put my order in through Facebook with them, and he's, it's shipping and all this. It was well, I, anyway. Cool. I thought that was awesome. That's cool. Um, real quickly, uh, something for people to check out. Uh, everybody knows I'm like a fiend for um, hollow handled knives. Uh, Martin Knives, I think, is like making some of the best ones. They have a knife now with uh, Tad Gear. I, I don't even know if it's still available. Typically, those things are gone before they're even announced. But um, I thought that was kind of neat. Um, what else? We talked about the grind in. What else you got? Uh, the Robin story. Okay. Okay, so you know th- what I was talking about with the uh, la- last one I had. Come on, guys. No. Okay, we need to take a break. I I can't do this. We got to take a break. Stop! Okay. So, um, we're back. Yeah. (laughs) So, last last podcast I was talking about a nest that was built on our porch by a a silly robin that was, you know, the, the, the nest was like three, almost four foot off the deck. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was like face level for this dog. So, but they hadn't been bothered. The birds had not been bothered. So um, uh, we come back from the grind in, and uh, we, on Monday night we went up to Marquette, and and uh, we went to the grind in, left on Sunday afternoon, drove up to um, uh, uh, Marquette. Anyways, we took a boat ride, saw pictured rocks, and you know did the kind of the touristy thing, and then went and. Stay in a nice motel up in Marquette, which is a nice town. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, so we come home Monday night, and I'm, you know, dogs are here, everybody's cool, and I happen to walk by the the bird's nest, and there's no baby birds in it. But the mm-hmm. but the nest isn't knocked over. The the um, nothing's out of sort. It's almost like something just reached up in there and gobbled them up. So I'm not sure if if Stormy was the culprit. Or if, uh, um, I mean, he could have been the culprit, but it could have been a raccoon, I suppose, too, or something like that. My guess is raccoon, yeah. But it was, whatever it was, got in there and got all three little baby birds and was gone. (laughs) That's not very nice. No, I didn't think so at all, either. Yeah. But besides that, um, Lumberjack Festival today, I think I'm going to go to. Uh, Last night, uh, we had company, um... Michael from uh, uh, Belgium was here with his with his girlfriend Britt, and Jackie Stewart was came down, and we sat by the fire until late at night. And Dylan Cook came over from Cook's Hardware, and we BS'd until all hours of the morning. And we killed my my flask. I had a flask of uh, scotch. Oh no! A couple bottles of wine, and uh, <laughs> so. It was a good night. It was yeah. a good night. Had a good time. I made a I made a grievous error in my knife making. Well, what happened? Well, so, and it's totally my fault. I didn't listen to somebody. Um, so I made these, these fillet knives because somebody wanted me to make a fillet knife for them. And I made uh, five of them. The first one I did the heat treat myself just so I could play with the design and tweak some things here and there. 
and then I made four more, uh, and I sent them off to TM Hunt for um, heat treat, right? Because it's O1 tool steel, and he does a great job on that. Uh, and he, I made them out of sixteenth inch steel so that they'd still be bendable and flexible. Um, and he said, "Well, you know, that's going to warp." And I said, "Yeah, I know it is, but I'll just correct it after heat treat. You know, I'll just, I'll just do my trick." <laughs> and he and, said, uh, "What? What did he and say?" And he said, "Oh, uh, okay, if you want me to." <laughs> um, but no, because I do, I, I can, I've got, you know, videos on how to do that, how to, how to like correct problems. The problem is in sixteenth inch steel, it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> it needs to be a little thicker for that to work, there, Jim Bob. That's funny. Um, but so. One out of four of those blanks is usable, and so I there's only going to be one of them that's okay. Sold. So here's here's a suggestion to you. Back in the day, Webster Marble was an avid outdoorsman, and he uh -huh. designed and made a fish knife that was reminiscent of what the natives used. Oh, okay. I'll have to and, look that up. And it was a it looked like a it looked like a um, kind of like a half moon knife. Hmm. With a oh, like a Ulu or whatever, was, right? Yeah, but it had the handle sticking out the other way of it. And okay. the guys that used those said they were some of the finest fillet knives that you could use. Huh. And uh, there's no flex to them. I mean, it was it's just a... They're, and they're not very big. Yeah. But you ought to try making some of those and have your fish guys figure out if they're, if they're any good to see them or not. Yeah, I'll, I'll try that. I'll, I'll have to look it up and see, but... Um, but yeah, yeah, you, you know, you can use, use any knife to fillet and skin a fish, or, and do whatever you need to do to them. But um, this guy wanted like a, you know, a traditional fillet yeah. knife, and so I yeah. made him one. And it's actually the ergos on it. I think it's very attractive, but whatever. Um, so that was my big mistake. Uh, but it, you know, that was a good lesson to learn. Um, let's see. Oh, I read the other side of the mountain. Ah, it's a pretty good book. Yeah, um, I've got it's you know maybe for a, a little bit younger audience, but still kind of neat. Um, there's another book uh, that that's actually fairly controversial, um, but kind of similar thing. Uh, and I'll explain why it's controversial. But the book is the Education of Little Tree, and it's about this uh, kid that's an and basically an orphan goes up to live. He's uh, Cherokee, and he goes up to live with some Cherokees, and they teach him all this crap and whatever. Well, and it's a great book, um, and it was taught in in high schools. It was released as um, like an autobiography, not as fiction. Mm -hmm. And it was taught in high schools as this is fact, this really happened and all this, uh, up until like the 90s. Well, in the 90s, they figured out who actually wrote the book. And the guy who wrote the book is this huge, terrible, like, white supremacist guy. He was the guy who wrote um, the speeches for George Wallace, like, segregation now, <laughs> segregation tomorrow, you know, all that. He he was the speechwriter for him. Wow. But he wrote this, like, great book, and, like, it, it's like, it's... Uh, like non-judgmental, like be nice to your, you know, the yeah, basically how we behave. You're nice to everybody and treat everybody with respect and this and that. But uh, when they found out that he wrote it and it wasn't uh, wasn't actually 
uh, a work of truth that was more fiction, like everybody freaked out. Because <laughs> it was it? like this great. No, I, I just don't think they. I don't think they put the emphasis and teach it all that much anymore. Um, I heard about the book on uh, this American life uh, about uh, on an episode called One Eighties. So doing a about turn, and their thing was, well, maybe he changed. And well, uh, you know, you know, speechwriters aren't always what. I mean, they're speechwriters. They're not. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're right. Like. Like you couldn't elect the speechwriter as the you know for the office. I mean that was yeah. a lot of times speechwriters are not they're taking a set of notes and you know given to them from uh, an aide that said I want this speech to cover this 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 and this my their feelings are this 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 and this just fill in the blanks yeah and, ma- and make it sound good and so a lot of times a good writer is what's required and they don't necessarily believe what they're writing but this guy. This guy was like he was a long time like KKK member and all yeah. this. Like he was the real deal and he wrote with he would write like these horrendous like scathing speeches. <laughs> you yeah. hear him and you're just like cringing. So he was an early liberal. Yeah, pretty much. Um yeah. he would have been a democrat. Yeah. Um because that's who was in favor of all of that. Yeah. Um but uh anyway, so there's that uh check it out Education of Little Tree. Also on that episode, um, so do you like calamari? I love calamari. Well, so do I. But um, if you listen to that episode, they talk about what they thought was an urban legend. Um, that episode they take of what? A, what, 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 what? This American Life. Oh, oh okay, okay. Yeah, I, I was just talking about it. So uh, there's this, uh, what he thought was an urban legend, that they take uh, pig rectums, and they slice them up and sell them as imitation calamari. Oh, that could be. And so they, they well, that's what everybody said. And so, but uh, they went and and uh, researched it, went all over the world, asked some guy in China about it, asked, uh, you know, the FDA and all these things. And they're like, well, we're not specifically aware of that, but it's possible. So finally they couldn't get a straight answer so what they did was they took actual pig rectum and actual squid and had a chef make it and uh they did a blind taste test and they thought that the pig rectum was the calamari <laughs> and not the <laughs> so, so it tasted better huh <laughs> yeah so <laughs> so anyway that was on that episode as well that's funny i mean yeah. I, I i mean when it comes to that kind of stuff i mean I, if it's on the menu in a restaurant, I tend to. I, there's other things on the menu that I probably will order that I would like more. Yeah. But if somebody orders a plate of it, I'll eat some of it. It's, yeah, me too. It's not that bad. Yeah, it's deal. pretty good. Um, let's see. Oh, Brian Griffin. You know, uh, mm-hmm. you know him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mist Walker on Blade Forums. He had a really cool knife. Um, it's by Spartan Blades. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that? It was a collaboration with a maker. I want to say his name is Hersey or something. Yeah, like Bill Hersey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but he did this big, huge write-up and review uh, on uh, Blade forums. Um, started three years ago, and has kind of been updating it. And it's uh, it's actually quite a neat little knife and history and everything. So, people are looking for something to read. Check that out. Um, what else? Oh, so Jim, did you know that water is a human right now? Oh yeah. 
Did you see that? That's your state, buddy. <laughs> Sometimes I, I go back to the bike helmet thing. It's ridiculous. Well, so what I think is going to happen is they're going to they're going to take everybody in the state of Michigan and they're going to say, "Okay, well, we're in order to fix Detroit, um we have to do it. It's in the constitution. We are taking a one-time 10% wealth tax. And uh you, you you're going to have to pay 10% of your Whatever yeah, net I, worth. I'm not buying. Yeah, 10% of your property. <laughs> but I, I'm, not, I'm not buying that. But, I don't, but that's I don't what it's going to take. They're going to have to give you guys all a massive haircut to, to no, bail I, out these I, guys. I, I don't believe that. I think I think that by the time this is all said and done, Detroit will lose some of its art in the Detroit Institute of Art because it's declared bankruptcy. So that means in a bankruptcy court, their assets have to be sold first before an additional source of revenue can be found. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so they have property. They have, um, they, I mean, they have Belle Isle. They have like a whole island. They have, uh, they have all of these things that uh, that that can be sold. De- Detroit is one of the biggest square foot cities in the country. Did you know that? Uh-uh. It, it's huge. It's it's like the size of Rhode Island. It's bigger than Rhode Island. Huh. It's bigger than the state. It's huge. <laughs> and so there's there's talk about carving it up and making it into smaller cities, which would make some sense. There's talk about um, uh, the tax rolls that are being owned by, uh, um, you know, the city got it back because of taxes, uh, city taxes. What, what they're talking about is saying, okay, what we're going to do is give huge blocks of land away to people and let them develop it. Right. Um, or sell huge blocks of land and let them develop it. And, and so, you know, there's resolutions out there that are, that are probably going to be painful for Detroit. But there's, there's solutions that, that need to be done. Yeah. Because you can't continue to have that kind of blatant thievery forever that's my that's that's my position and I'm sticking to it <laughs> well I think that uh you know it's it's a perfect example of uh of 60 years of collectivist rule yeah <laughs> yeah um but but the problem is is that you know once the little kids are done playing with the toys and fucking up your living room, you still have to pick it up. Yeah. Well, it's like that everywhere, though. I mean, it's like that everywhere. I don't give a shit what anybody says. California is doing the same thing. California is so broke, they can't even pay attention. Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Anyway. um, Yeah, so so that's going to be... That'll be interesting how that all plays out. But they're, like I said, the bankruptcy judge... um, should come up with some kind of solutions like that. I mean, the problem is they 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 put this emergency manager in place, and he's he's actually trying to figure out ways to for Detroit to stay with what it's got, and yeah. and it, it it can't happen. It has to get rid of some of it. I mean, it has huge. They some people are claiming that it has some art in the in the Detroit Institute of Art that if they sold it, like one piece could bail them out. I mean, it's hmm. that it's that kind of money that they have as assets 
and I'll guarantee you that before they rape and pillage the rest of the state, some of that shit's going to get sold. Well, we'll see. Um, I, I, you know, I think what what will happen is you'll have all these like crazy whiny liberals say you can't sell a, a rock, you know, and yeah, then you, you should tax you should tax the rich. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> you know, and, and by rich they mean anyone with anything yeah. anywhere. Yeah. You know, so if you own your house, you're the rich. Yeah. Um, we'll but see. Uh, but um, anyway, so I saw this article. Uh, it was on the Drudge Report a few days ago that uh, Detroit, they're having to shut off the water to um, some people because they haven't paid their bills in forever. And uh, so some activist groups in Detroit have petitioned the UN to uh, supply water to everyone. <laughs> and and their argument is is that water is a human right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, it's like not only so you have a right to water now um, and it's not just that you have a right to water but that other people have to provide it for you mm-hmm. okay so like I guess that means that the next time I go to jungle and we can't find any safe drinking water that um, you know Detroit or the UN is going to have to parachute in some nice crystal clear bottled water for me mm-hmm. <laughs> No, no. Yeah, because the thing is, is like, if it's a human right, then it doesn't matter what personal choices you make. So, like, if you can't if you can't pay your water bill because you're driving a, a Cadillac with uh, rims and you have a iPhone five and hundred and eighty dollar a month cable, that doesn't matter. It's still a human right. You you know you have a right to have other people provide it for you. So you your know, personal choices don't matter. If my personal choice is to go out in the middle of the desert, doesn't matter. It's still a human right. You have to provide water. You know, right right now this is a real rotten topic for me because I got to fuck. <laughs> You're flummoxed. <laughs> I'm flummoxed and I'm done. I was trying to troll you. I know. you worked up about the water thing. Yeah, well. You didn't bite all that well. No. Well, because I... The, you know what? I mean, it, well, I did, because it freaking sent me into the tirade about... You realize I have to bleep all of this out. Do you? <laughs> all right. Let's, we, we, we probably need to go. Okay. Um, <laughs> we should... <laughs> I, I had to just bleep out, like... So I guess my troll really was pretty successful, because Jim just, like, went off the deep end. <laughs> But uh, uh-huh. let's uh, let's mention our marvelous sponsor, Knives yep. Ship Free. Yep. You yep. order a knife, they ship it to you for free. Yep. Good selection, uh, great stuff, um, good service. Uh, can't go wrong. So if you're going to buy a knife, check them out. And remember that he is a stocking dealer for everything that he sells. He actually has a store and stuff. He, they, they, um, and and I know we've been in this internet thing for like 15 years now. You know, mm-hmm. buying stuff on the internet 15 years now. And people don't realize that... I bet you three-quarters of the people that sell stuff on the internet do not have anything in stock. Yeah, that's true. You know, I've there's there's dropship programs from different distributors. There's, uh, um, you know, they order directly from the distributors and then pass it on and, you know, resell it. Um, guys, like, guys like Derek have it in stock. Yeah. You know. They check it out before they ship it. They make sure it's it's good. You know, he sells yep. he sells a good line of products. 
Yep, and so if you want to actually get your knife in like a timely fashion and make sure that it's not all janky, like that's a good place to go. Yep. Yep. All right. And nothing else. All right. I'm done with that. My dogs. I mean, I'm I'm sitting outside. I'm having a hard time even sitting still right now because <laughs> it's so glorious out here. The sun is shining. I'm going to go do something. I got to get down to the shop. Yeah, hang on a second. I'm going to take an Instagram of my setup right here. You're going you're gonna to cut some of those out right now? Uh, not not today. I don't have the steel. Um, but I think that's the that's the improvement from the first one I showed you. That'll that do looks, it. That looks nice. That, that'll work. Yep. That'll work. Hang on a second. I'm going to Instagram this. Okay. Like us on Facebook. Find us on... Find us on Facebook, like us on on Facebook, uh, Instagram, find us on Instagram, um, knifejournal.com. Yep. Pod- Email is uh, podcast at knifejournal.com. Yep. What is, what is that you're swinging around? Oh, just a ruler. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, send us your emails. Bitch at us if you want. We'll read them on the air. <laughs> You know, I'm, I got thick skin. I, I can take it. Yeah. If I'm wrong, I admit it. I was wrong once. <laughs> once. <laughs> yeah. And then I was, yeah. and then I figured out I was right. So that's what made me wrong. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, okay, guys, keep your knives sharp and your friends sharper, and uh, we'll catch up with you next time. You know, we're a little bit late on this one. Yeah, I know. It's I've been too busy lately. Yep. 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 So talk to you soon, okay? Yep. Have fun. Yep, bye. Bye.